Cam has that ability. He's shown that ability already that if I see something in that instant and I can go make a play, I'm going to go make the play. When they say let Dalvin cook, they mean it. You can't let him have the big explosive plays that he's popped off against so many teams. You know, he's where it begins if you're a defender against Minnesota. Hey Vikings fans, Chris Corso here with episode 73 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. It is a Christmas week edition as we are not so happy this week following a tough loss to the Chicago Bears, 33-27. Season is most likely over, Jay, um, as we look at some of the playoff projections and scenarios. Don't crush my hope. Don't crush my hope here, Corso. Come on, man. We still got a chance. We got a chance. You're saying there's a chance, Jay. That is correct. Don't give up the hope until it's dead, dead, dead. The Vikings are 6-8 and eight following the loss to the Bears on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Arizona Cardinals won their game, um, putting them up two games over the Vikings with two games remaining as the Vikings at 6-8 and eight need a total disaster for the Arizona Cardinals to lose out as well as a loss for the Chicago Bears in the final two games. And then the Vikings would find their way into the playoffs this year. I got to have some sort of hope here, man. I just want to make sure that uh, it's not dead, dead, dead. Yes, it's bleak. I think it's what, like a two or 3% chance at this point. And given the way these last two games have gone, it's been, it's been frustrating and disappointing to see it, uh, to say the least. If everything does end up dying this weekend, then it'll just make that last one even tougher to, to, to watch. But, you know, it's been a it's been a crazy season. It's been a frustrating season and have a little extra eggnog and brighten brighten the day a little bit. So uh, I'm looking forward to this game on Friday and hopefully the Vikings can get a win and, and make everybody a little happier around Viking land. We're going to get into all of that and preview the game against the New Orleans Saints in a very short week for your Minnesota Vikings. But let's go through what we have in store for this episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I sat down and talked to Ben Lieber um, about the 2020 season, a look ahead to the Christmas Day game, and he pretty much told me what it's like as a player to go into the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Um, He definitely had some cool stories about that. Um, Vikings team reporter Eric Smith talks to Saints team reporter John DeShazier um, it's and obviously they are having a very exciting season there. Um, we'll hear a lot from from John over there. A ton of cool interviews this week on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Um, but first, Jay, let's quickly recap what happened on Sunday against the Bears. I mean, thirty-three to twenty-seven. As we said, the Bears pretty much had their way on offense with the Vikings. And it was really shocking to me because of what happened the first time we played the Bears uh, this year at Soldier Field. And this game was completely different. You have a new guy under center, a hot quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, and it seemed that Matt Nagy and his offensive staff pretty much dialed up a complete play-action running attack and have 199 yards rushing. So, Jay, what did you kind of see from the Bears' offense in this game, the way they attacked our defense, which was very shorthanded in this game? I think what you've seen a couple times this season has been you know, teams attacking certain positions on our defensive line, trying to get to that outside edge. You saw a motivated offensive line. I think they were they were frustrated and angry with the way that first game had gone and knowing that they just they didn't 
have what it took that day. And on this one, they're like, listen, man, we finally got, we have a running game back. We have a quarterback who, who they had some faith in given the way that things had gone the week before. For me, the hardest part was watch, watching it happen and just knowing if you've got a, a David Montgomery with 32 rushes and 146 yards, which is career high and two touchdowns in that game, like that was the difference makers. The Bears did what they wanted and it was hard to, to stomach it at the end of the game. I couldn't agree more, Jay. I mean, it seems like the common theme in a lot of these losses is the other team comes out and strikes first and strikes early and controls the time of possession, which is clearly what happened in this game. Um, and the other thing I want to touch on is the fact that they ran this play action for a majority of the game with the running attack of David Montgomery and Mitchell Trubisky, who was 15 of 21 on the day with 202 yards. He was 11 of 14 on the play action pass in this game. And Mike Zimmer talked about it in his postgame press conference. He talked about it a few days after um, the clearly the Vikings young defensive backs were really confused with what was going on um, in the play action game. And, and that, per, that could have cost the Vikings the season to, to lose a game like that at home to a division opponent. Um, that's definitely not playoff football uh, when you're trying to make a run. So I'm looking at the offensive side of the ball. Justin Jefferson has his sixth hundred yard game and it's just amazing I mean, he broke Randy Moss's rookie receptions record, eight receptions, 104 yards. And the the craziest part of it for me, Jay, is that the 73 receptions that he's had in 14 games, he's really only played key snaps in 12 of those games. So that's more like 73 receptions in 12 games. Randy Moss in 1998 had 69 receptions in his full games. The only stat where Randy Moss has a key upgrade over Justin Jefferson is the 17 touchdowns that he had in his rookie year, and Jefferson has seven. But, man, Jay, I don't know how much more excited you could be as a Vikings fan watching this guy's rookie season and what he's been able to do. I think the best part for me has been hearing veterans who watch him who say he's doing the small things right already – And if he's already at this point, then what does that mean for the future? I think you watch him and how crisp he is, how great his hands are and and his moves. You're seeing a lot of things in a very first season that feel very polished compared to what you would normally expect from a rookie. And I think part of it is similar to 98 in that you have this combo platter of of a top tier other reception machine and and a Chris Carter in 98. And you've got a Thielen this year who's eaten up in the red zone. I think a guy like Justin, that long, lanky type, I expect in year two, he's going to come back with some extra meat on his bones. He's going to be out muscling guys. And I think, you know, you watch what he does and just watch the way that everybody else is reacting to him, let alone getting the Pro Bowl accolades at this point. I just think it's going to be even more motivation for him next year. He is going to be a huge focal point moving forward for years and years to come. And as long as you keep getting these kind of seasons, these kind of receptions, these kind of yards, I think uh, there's going to be a giant smile on his face knowing that he's going to be a focal point in this offense. And think of it this way too. Not only do you have Thielen, but you also just resigned Delvin to a longer-term contract as well. So at, at running back and, and wide receiver, at, at, and then even guys like Irv Smith and Conklin, who stepped up here recently, you have a great crop of young talent for this offense for years to come. So hopefully we can keep putting up some some points uh, week to week and season to season for the next three to five year window that these guys are all going to be superstars on this team. 
Yeah, that's a really good point, Jay. I mean, this offense is going to be completely intact from a playmaker position going forward. And you love to see what we saw from Tyler Conklin in the past few weeks stepping up in Kyle Rudolph's absence because eventually Kyle Rudolph isn't going to be around anymore and you're going to be depending on a Tyler Conklin and Nerv Smith Jr. Um, in these games. And those guys have had a few uh, touchdowns these past few weeks being capped off with a very impressive touchdown from Tyler Conklin in this game, which brought us right back into it. And the best thing I liked about Tyler's touchdown was he had to fight through three different tackles in order to, to get there, and he did. And, you know, this is his first one. This is a special one. So hopefully for him, that'll go in the trophy case, and, and uh, it can become a week-to-week thing where, where guys like Conklin and Irv are definitely becoming a, a bigger part of the, the offense at this point. Just putting a bow on this game because – Um, Thielen was definitely minimized for the offense again this week. Two receptions, 11 yards. He did have the touchdown, um, as he's done all season long, um, but definitely he was not as much of a a part of the offense like he has been recently um, for the team. But um, going down the list, Dan Bailey made all of his kicks this week, Jay. I mean, he made two field goals, three extra points. uh, After a week where he was scrutinized and, and being his job was being called out for by national media, local media. He came back and drilled all his kicks in this game. Pre-game, he was out there for some extra time, getting some extra kicks in there. We were watching him, and he was drilling everything. And so put a smile on my face after he hit the first one in the game just to say, all right, this guy's dialed in today, and hopefully it, w- it goes well. And it definitely did with him hitting all five of his kicks for the game. So it was great to see Dan kind of get back to normal form and hopefully uh, kind of put this whole thing to rest moving forward. I think Dan's a great veteran to have, and as long as he's still got strength in that leg, it's, it's great to have him on that field for us. Last thing I want to talk about is just the offense as a whole. And to put up over 400 net yards in a game, I think it just says a lot about what the Vikings offense is capable of doing this year against a very good Bears defense. And Kirk Cousins, if he throws a few more touchdowns on Thursday, he has his career high in passing touchdowns. So the things that this Vikings offense has done all year long, we know Dalvin Cook um, is a pro bowler again along with Justin Jefferson. Uh, I cannot wait to see what's in store for this Vikings offense going forward. You have Jefferson as the superstar. You have the one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I think other than drafting offensive linemen, Um, going forward I don't think you change anything I really don't think you change much other than trying to get either um, an interior offensive lineman or maybe even another tackle once Riley Reef is is kind of getting to his older years here Um, but other than that there's really not much I would change in this Vikings offense yeah I think the the fact you did have younger guys step up and produce this season has definitely been a positive Um, like you said you know everyone has been hyping on the the offensive line now for for multiple years I know they've they've tried drafting guys and, and addressed it, and you found some some definite people you think have some promise here moving forward. I think the the addition of Ezra Cleveland during the season was definitely something that made a lot of people smile. Um, I I just think for a lot of those guys that get another year under their belt, hopefully in the off season they can have a normal off season. I think that's the biggest thing for me with all these young guys that have been playing. They've had to kind of learn on the fly as the season's been going on. For the offense, they should be proud of the fact that they've been putting up some decent offense, some decent numbers. There's still those those fourth and one type plays that are rearing their ugly heads that are that are costing us serious points that we need to, to finalize games and push us over the edge. There's a lot of promise on this team at the same point. There's still a lot to clean up. And so hopefully if it's Kubiak back next year, 
and and he and Clint and, and Coach Zimmer and everybody can sit down and just really go through and figure out what they need to address. Um, I'm hoping that this team has has a, a, a great offseason, a great plan to come back and, and make a run here in 2021 moving forward. Well, before that, we will celebrate a Christmas holiday, so why not join Adam Thielen and the Salvation Army in providing food, shelter, and care for our neighbors in need. Text SKOL to 24365. Again, that's 24365 to donate today. Join me, Paul Allen, along with former Vikings linebacker and current radio analyst Ben Lieber after every Vikings game as we host Between the Lines. Analyze the game, break it down from all angles, and discuss what it means for your favorite team moving forward. Watch each week via Vikings.com, the Vikings app, YouTube, and all of the team's other digital and social platforms. For information, visit Vikings.com slash Between the Lines. All right, Jay, now we look forward to the Christmas Day game against the New Orleans Saints, a game where they have a lot of guys on the on the injury report. I mean, when you play a game on a Friday and you have a quick week after giving it everything you have against the Chicago Bears, um, obviously there's going to be a lot of players on the Vikings injury report. So I'm just looking at the list here. I want to touch on it quick before we break down the game. Um, Kyle Rudolph. Eric Kendricks, C.J. Ham, Alexander Madison, Troy Dye, Todd Davis, and Jalen Holmes were not listed as practicing um, for Tuesday and Wednesday. Tomorrow is a travel day, so we'll get another designation um, for Thursday, but they will be traveling um, to New Orleans to play on Friday afternoon, Christmas Day. So, Jay, it's a quick week. We have a a pretty beaten-up team here heading into this game, but the Vikings lead this series all-time 23-12. The last game, we'll never forget it. Kirk Cousins' first playoff win and playoff game-winning drive with a pass that he threw um, deep to Adam Thielen, and the Vikings were able to earn an overtime win at the hands of Kyle Rudolph in the corner of the end zone. Um, one of the one of the most exciting Vikings wins um, since I've been a member of the organization. So there are so many reasons, Jay, to get up for this game and and at least not embarrass yourself um, on national television on Christmas Day. The thing for me about this game is I just look at it and, and it feels eerily similar to when we played Tampa a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, Tampa had been flying high, but they had a couple stumbles right beforehand for them. They had the bye week the week before us, but you know, this, the saints team, you figured they had a week one win versus Tampa. That was on the national stage. It was very impressive. 34 to 23. They lost two in a row to Las Vegas, green Bay. They then go ahead and rip off nine straight and they've lost their last two at Philly. And then that, that hard fought game against Kansas city, I think for them, they not only had Drew Brees out for four weeks with broken ribs and a, a punctured lung, which is insane to think about the fact that he came back last week against Kansas City, but this Saints team doesn't have the chance to kind of rest on their laurels. They're still fighting for a number one seed. So I, I just I look at this and say these Saints are going to give us everything they've got because they still need to to put together a complete game, having Drew back and make sure that you know confidence wise, Drew in this offense feels like they can still produce and put up those kind of points to, to get a solid win. So given all the history we've had recently in the last couple of years, I'm sure there's a lot of people on that team, including Cameron Jordan, who's been very vocal about the fact that this game, this team, that that the Vikings 
playing the Saints has been one that he always circles on his calendar just because of things like the miracle were so painful. I think uh, we're definitely going to get a handful here from the Saints, uh, and that defense is is absolutely nasty. So our Vikings offense is definitely going to have to mind their P's and Q's coming up on Friday. They've had two tough kind of matchups as of late. I know they've lost their last two, but um, before that they won nine in a row, Jay. So this is a very competitive team. Um, let's start off at the top. Um, Drew Brees comes back um, for the first time since week four, um, having the serious rib injuries. And and it's just amazing that he came back against the Chiefs. And um, he was 15 of 34 in the game, 234 yards, three passing touchdowns. Um, but he also threw an interception and was sacked once. So um, this is a different Drew Brees, Jay, than, than years past when you're seeing him have these insane passing numbers and stuff like that. And the Vikings have actually done a pretty good job against Brees in the past couple games. Yeah, I think the the key to that has been the pressure that they had, the, the infamous playoff game last year where they snuck the two defensive ends on the inside and, and kind of went up the gut and tried to make Drew – super uncomfortable. And, and and I think that's going to be a key this week is if you can get pressure on him. I know last week with Kansas City, they were definitely coming after him and trying to give him some shots saying, we know you're not comfortable. We know you're not 100%. And I think uh, Sean Payton after the game, uh, when somebody asked if he thought Drew was 100%, he just said no. And, and I, I think a guy like Drew Brees, he's such a gamer and he knows that he doesn't have much time left as a, a starting quarterback. Um, I think he's going to come out here and, and He's going to improve on those numbers. I don't think he's only going to be hitting 15 to 34, but what that says to me was he was trying to get that ball out of there as fast as possible, just trying to avoid taking some of those hits. And uh, Kansas City did a good job of, of making him uncomfortable and speeding him up. So if we can do a similar thing, hopefully we'll have a little bit more success and, and can uh, potentially get him off his game again this week. Alvin Kamara has just been an absolute monster for them this season. 777 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns rushing, but he also has 739 yards and 80 receptions receiving and five receiving touchdowns. Um, so you got to look at both of those numbers when you look at him. And then obviously Vikings fans are pretty familiar um, with Latavius Murray and what he can do as a secondary back. And, and when you blend him with an Alvin Kamara, it's very similar to blending him uh, with a Jarek McKinnon the way that the Vikings have done in years past. But just going through some of, some of these receivers, Emmanuel Sanders, who – um, he's having a pretty good year with 580 yards and four touchdowns. Traquan Smith has been there for a few years with 440 yards and, and four touchdowns. And Michael Thomas, man, to see Michael Thomas with 438 receiving yards and, and zero touchdowns, Jay, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, those are completely atypical numbers to what he would normally do in a season. And, and it sounded like, you know, they shut him down and, and just realized – Listen, if we can get this guy back with a somewhat healthy ankle and we can bring him back for the playoffs and just have him potentially be another boost on offense, that's what they're doing with him. And, and I think the thing that's going to be frustrating for the Saints now is Traquan Smith. He showed up on the injury report as well with a, with a leg injury. That wide receiving core is getting a little thin. They have a, a, another guy who's just coming off of IR. But um, I think seeing a guy like Michael Thomas only have seven games, 438 yards, that is not what anybody expected one of the best wide receivers in the NFL to be able to do during this season. So, um, I, you know, he won't be there this week. I'm curious to see what he does here coming up in the playoffs once the, the Saints actually punch their ticket and, and play that first round game. 
Jared Cook has uh, the tight end for this team, 30 receptions, 379 yards, and he has probably picked up some of those touchdowns uh, that Michael Thomas has not had with six touchdowns on this team, which obviously leads the team um, in receiving touchdowns. So uh, I want to dive into this defense, Jay. They are the number one defense against rushing touchdowns. They have only allowed eight rushing touchdowns all season I mean, that's really impressive from a defensive front that's led by Cam Jordan. Uh, but Sheldon Rankin's in the middle of this defense. He is having one of the best years um, out, of, out of any interior defender in the NFL. And, and we've seen it in years past, um, the, the, the effect that he's had on the game. He's very similar to the way Akeem Hicks plays um, against a rushing attack like Dalvin Cook. He, pretty, he stuffs guys right up the middle um, and... and They've, they've just had an incredible year. They're second for rushing first downs allowed, um, which is a crazy stat. They're fourth best in rushing yards allowed. Um, and, and then the pass game, fifth best um, versus passing yards, sixth best in takeaways with 21 turnovers, um, eighth in interceptions. They have 13 interceptions this year. Um, and, and the one thing is that they, they do allow a decent amount of passing touchdowns in 20th and passing touchdowns. So look for Kirk Cousins um, to really try to air it out in this game, Jay. That front four is absolutely nasty. And having Cam Jordan, Sheldon Rankins, uh, David Onyemata, and then Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson is having a crazy sneaky season too. He's tied for first in the NFL in sacks. He's got 12 and a half so far. And he's had three games where he's had two sacks in a game. This front four is going to be a meal for that offensive line. We know what has happened this season when, when Kirk has got pressured. That is when he's tended to make mistakes at times. The fact that we put up uh, 407 yards of offense on that that Bears defense was promising. I think it should feel a little promising as well versus this the Saints defense, given what you just went through. It should feel very, very similar. Um, but the fact that Cam Jordan got kicked out of that game last week for throwing a punch at an offensive lineman, I, I just think this Saints defensive front especially is going to be so dang surly uh, that that we're going to definitely have our hands full. Um, I, the one thing was I, I saw that uh, Trey Hendrickson was limited participant on the injury report that came out. And so if he's a little gimpy, I'm curious to see what that might do for, for us. You know, maybe they'll start if he if he can't go for some reason and whoever his backup is, maybe they'll try to focus on him and see if we can get some more rushing lanes going that way with Delvin. But um, if, if you're this offensive offensive line, you know, Kirk needs his time. These guys are all super athletic and, and it's going to be a tough game here on Friday. Like I said, the linebacker play has improved as well. Demario Davis, who's been there for years, um, but they also had Quan Alexander this year, who's been a, a big part of this defense as well. Um, looking at the cornerbacks, we know the names. Uh, the, the savvy veterans there, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Marcus Williams, and Marshawn Lattimore. So they have some some really, really good corners, man corners, um, and, and really good defensive backs on this team. You've laid out some of the keys that we need to pretty much follow to find a way to win this game. And, and number one is something that I've been talking about all year. It's Kirk getting the ball out quick. He needs to avoid the sack. He needs to, to protect the football, and he needs to not turn it over. And that's something that's happened in the past couple weeks. If he's sacked five or six times again in this game, Jay, uh, I, I really don't like our chances. I think that's going to be tough, like we said before, if they are as good as they are with with creating turnovers, whether it's fumbles, picks in the secondary, etc. 
I mean, this team, the Saints defense, sacked Mahomes four times last week, caused two fumbles by him. Kirk's got to get the ball out this week, or he's got to get in space and get some more time, especially if they bring some pressure up the gut. And um, I think if, if you're the Vikings offense, you know there's going to be a lot of screens. There's going to be a lot of, of short routes and crossing routes in order to make sure that guys like Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook can make some moves and, and juke some guys out of their shoes and get those extra five, six, seven yards. One thing to think about was that Tampa game. They took away the deep pass and they made us go across the middle and forced our tight ends and, and those short intermediate routes to, to do more. That just means then you have to convert on your first downs. You have to control the time of possession. And that means you're just going to have to be patient. And once you get into the red zone and those zones kind of squeeze down, you absolutely have to convert. Otherwise, you're going to be trading touchdowns for field goals. And that's where this team gets in trouble. So your next key is stopping Alvin Kamara in the screen game. I think it's great because we know that Drew Brees injuries and, and everything that he's went through this year. I don't know if they want to throw the ball down the field as they normally have in years past against the Vikings. So look for Alvin Kamara in the screen game and also just as a flat out receiver. And we know what he's capable of with those 700 plus yards receiving at the running back position. And then another guy, one of Cy's favorite players, Taysom Hill. <laughs> He's still a component in this offense. And and that's a good point, Jay, because this guy can do it all. He can line up. We've seen him on fantasy listed as a tight end. We've seen him listed as a wide receiver, a running back. Uh, we know what he's done at the quarterback position, but um, we saw it in the playoff game last year. He had a really explosive play against the Vikings defense, and and he's he's a guy that we still need need to focus on stopping. He's a Swiss Army knife. I know I've said it in the past. He's a Swiss Army knife for this team. I, I tongue and cheekly put size favorite. I know Sai always sits there and kind of rolls his eye. He's just like, I don't know why Taysom Hill always makes people pay. He's not that good. I, Taysom Hill is he's good at a lot of things. He might not be a great quarterback. He might not be a great running back. He might not be a great tight end, but he is a playmaker and he converts. And so the fact that they had him step up for, for Drew Brees while he was out with the rib injury, and then he's also currently ranked third on the team in rushing for yards. He's got 75 attempts, 398 rushing yards, six touchdowns, but he's also got seven fumbles. So if he gets the ball, I think some of our defensive guys are going to be ripping and punching at that ball, trying to see if they can cause him to, to, to have an issue there. Um, he's only had six receptions, 74 yards, but he does have a receiving touchdown. Taysom Hill, when he gets on that field, I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs kind of looking out of the corner of their eye, pay attention to what he's doing because when he's on the field, he can do it all. And and I think uh, as as much as people want to give him a hard time or as people want to discount this guy, Taysom Hill is a playmaker, man, and he's he's been scoring a bunch this year. So keep your eyes out for him. He's he's going to make your day miserable, I got a feeling, come Friday. Absolutely, and, and just going through the, the remaining keys to the game here, controlling time of possession. 41-plus minutes of the Kansas City Chiefs offense last week against this team. Clearly, it resulted in a win with New Orleans only having the ball for 18-plus minutes. So the thing that stands out in some of the games that we've played this team and really had success is we control the time of possession and we don't let Drew Brees get going early. I think in the Minneapolis Miracle game, he had a turnover Early in the game, we sacked him a few times, stopped him on on some three and outs, and it wasn't until the second half that he really started to attack the Vikings team and and eventually take the lead in that game, which we then gained back on a miraculous play. But um, and and the same thing went for the game last year in the playoffs. We stopped him early. 
The Vikings took advantage on the ground. They controlled the time of possession, and they had to pretty much battle back in that game as well, um, which we, again, had a miraculous win. So that's the plan of attack when you're going against Drew Brees. Back for the 2020 season is Pass or Play, a free-to-play fantasy-style game. Build your weekly lineup via digital trading cards that are randomly given to you. Users can elect to keep the first card sent to them and insert that player into their lineup or pass and move on to the next card. If a user chooses to pass on all three cards, they can come back the next day for one new card. Fans can win weekly and season-long prizes. For information, visit vikings.com slash pass or play. We have a bunch of interviews coming up for you on this Minnesota Vikings podcast, but first, it's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. All right, we're moving forward as team reporter Eric Smith sat down with his counterpart at the New Orleans Saints. It's John DeShazier from the New Orleans Saints. Let's take a listen to that interview. I'm Viking team reporter Eric Smith, and I'm now joined by John DeShazier of the New Orleans Saints. John, thanks for coming on today. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric, and I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, So first things first, as we get ready for a Friday game on Christmas Day, how did future Hall of Famer Drew Brees look Sunday in his return? I know he'd missed, I think, four games with some rib injuries. He looked rusty. Uh, He did not look like the Drew Brees we're accustomed to seeing now. Some of that probably is attributable to Michael Thomas not playing. He's the number one receiver. He's on edge reserve. He won't play the rest of the regular season. And so some of the targets he was, you know, going for on Sunday, uh, little Jordan Humphrey and Juwan Johnson are not guys that Drew Brees is accustomed to throw in the football to. So that chemistry uh, was lacking. But, you know, still he did look rusty. There were some throws that we're accustomed to seeing Drew Brees make and complete uh, that he didn't make and complete. And so – you know, he said he's still working back. Uh, he did, you know, experience some discomfort. So he's still working through that process. Uh, in the NFL, unfortunately, it's very unforgiving. Uh, you can work through the process, but when you do it in the middle of a game against a team like Kansas City, <laughs> sometimes the process cannot look as smooth as you would like for it to look. Uh, so hopefully he will be a little bit more Drew Brees-like on Friday. You mentioned uh, kind of being smooth for a while there. You know, it was pretty smooth sailing for the Saints. You know, they had won nine in a row, but they've actually lost two straight uh, to Philadelphia and then Kansas City. So is there any reason for panic with Tampa Bay only one game back in the in the NFC South? Or, you know, are, did the Saints kind of expect things to get back on track this week? Well, the fact of the matter is Saints fans always panic. So they they never believe the Saints should lose a game. Now, internally, I don't believe there – I don't believe – I know there's no panic because the Saints understand that, you know, they still control what they can control. They win a game. They win the NFC South Division. They guarantee themselves a home game. So they're not necessarily worried so much about Tampa Bay as they are with their own performance these last couple of games. The Philadelphia game, uh, one that they didn't – they admit they didn't show up ready to play from the beginning, uh, down 17 nothing at halftime. That's not who the Saints are. And then this game against Kansas City, uh, the defense showed up and played Kansas City. Uh, you say, yeah, they gave up, uh, they gave up 32 points uh, and they gave up 400 yards, but 
I'm telling you, they were on the field for 92 plays. That's about as much as you can expect for a defense to do against that Kansas City offense. So there's no internal panic. Now, fans, of course, want to see the team go 15-1, and 16-0, and they're only going to be satisfied with the Super Bowl. But the team understands, you know, you go through patches during the season, they, they're still in control of winning the division, and that's the main thing right now. You mentioned the New Orleans defense. You know, they rank third overall with, you know, I think 306 uh, yards allowed per game. They're sixth with just over 21 points allowed per game. You know, that defense has been good for a while, but what made that unit so good in 2020? And, and who's a name that Vikings fans should watch out for on Friday? Well, they're good because they stopped the run. Up until these last couple of games, they've stopped the run. Uh, and, you know, it's the NFL. Uh, Minnesota has been able to do it over the years. Uh, we've seen other good teams do it. When you stop the run and you make your opponent one-dimensional, now you can kind of dictate what happens because now you're in a position where you can just rush the pass or you can play coverage and you can hopefully win the game that way. Uh, so they've been able to make teams one-dimensional by stopping the run, and that's been the Achilles these last couple of games, these couple of losses, where Philadelphia ran for, I think, 246 yards, and then you come back in Kansas City gets another 160, 170. That's not who this Saints defense has been, and not, that's not what this Saints defense wants to be. So they need to get back to stopping the run. If you're looking for a name, watch out for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, second-year defensive back, uh, a feisty dude, uh, the type guy that if he's on your team, you love him. If you're playing against him, you hate his guts. He's one of those guys. Uh, he can rile up and rally his teammates because – he plays extremely physical. You know, he chirps a little bit. When, well, he chirps a lot when he's on the field, um, but he backs it up. He's really good as a slot corner, even though, you know, he's kind of a hybrid. I You know, I, they list him just as a defensive back because he's not really a safety. He can do corner things, and he is really able uh, to put him in a box. You can rush him. You can do just about anything you want to do with him as a defensive back. The Vikings and Saints obviously know each other well, you know, especially when it comes to the Saints defense and the Vikings offense. You know, from that playoff game a year ago, pretty much everyone is back for Minnesota's offense. But the Vikings have added Justin Jefferson. You know, is he is he the one guy the Saints defense is going to key on or, or is it Dalvin Cook? Who's sort of that one guy that Sean Payton is, is really focusing on? Well, Justin Jefferson is is fantastic and probably the NFL offensive rookie of the year. Uh, and we know Adam Thielen is has been a thorn in the Saints' side for several years. Uh, big target, great hands, uh, great route runner, and, and, and a speed. You know, he can do everything you need a receiver to do. But the Saints are key in on Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook is, is, you know, when they say let Dalvin Cook, they mean it. Um, he is a fantastic runner. He was the key to the playoff game offensively for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, if Dalvin Cook is on the field, he's the key to what they want to do offensively because he keeps them balanced. Uh, just the threat of him, even if you can stop him from running, you have to devote so much attention to him that it should free up receivers. So he's the guy that has the Saints' attention, especially after giving up back-to-back games where they've allowed more than 400 yards rushing. Uh, they feel like they've got to be able to do something with Dalvin Cook. If you can't stop him, you got to be able to contain him, control him somehow or another. You can't let him have the big explosive plays that he's popped off against so many teams. Now, that's a whole lot easier said than done. <laughs> but, you know, he's where it begins if you're a defender against Minnesota. Last question before we get you out of here. 
what does this game mean to New Orleans? You know, do they want revenge for, you know, the recent, you know, heartbreaking playoff losses to the Vikings or kind of like what you talked about earlier? Are they focused more on the present, trying to win the NFC South and, and maybe even catch Green Bay for the NFC's number one seed? They're focused on the present. I don't necessarily know that they believe now that they can catch Green Bay because they, they need so much help. And that's the thing. You don't want to put yourself in the position of needing that much help. And so, you know, now they're con- concentrating on what they can control. What they control is winning a game Friday or if it comes to it, winning the last game of the regular season and still winning the NFC South. That's what they can control. They did have the number one seed. Uh, they lost a couple of games. So now they don't have control of that. So that's one of those things where they can't really worry about. Do they want some revenge? Of course they'll say no. But look, anybody who played in that playoff game, uh, anybody who played in the Minnesota Miracle, you know, you feel some type of way. I mean, you're human. I mean, you want to beat that team that eliminated you from the playoffs. Even though it's a regular season game, you still want to beat that team. And I don't care who you are. Yes, they're the next team on the schedule. Yes, the Saints need a win. But it happens to be Minnesota. And those guys can't feel great about what Minnesota's been able to accomplish, accomplish against them the last couple of years. So, you know, I'm sure they'll say it's not a rivalry game. Uh, Sean Payton and, and Mike Zimmer have the utmost respect for one another. Those two guys are as close of friends as head coaches can be. Uh, but player-wise, of course the Saints want to win this one. And, yeah, it goes hand in hand. You win it and you get the double You get the double byproduct. You beat a team that eliminates you from the playoffs and you win your division. All right, John, that was great stuff. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All right, from one interview to another, I had the chance to sit down with former Viking linebacker Ben Lieber and current Viking analyst on the Vikings Radio Network, and he makes his appearances each week on the Vikings Post Game Report podcast. Let's listen to Ben Lieber on the 2020 Minnesota Vikings season. Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and thanks to our friends at Microsoft Surface, we get to see Ben Lieber's gorgeous face here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. So thank you, Ben, for joining us. And man, we have a lot to cover today as the Vikings lost a tough game to the Chicago Bears last week. What are, what are your overall thoughts just on this season and, and what we have to look forward to on Christmas Day? Well, first of all, Chris, you're making me blush with that intro. I uh, got you. I got to give love to Microsoft Surface here. Yeah, it's what you said about me that made me blush. Really. <laughs> um, you know, it's amazing what just a few a few days. You know, that we always have that 24 hour rule in football where you know don't make any don't make any like rash judgments and kind of let your emotions calm down, whether it's a win or a loss, because you have to critically analyze everything. Um, from a business standpoint and from a true football standpoint. And sometimes when you analyze things right after a game, you're just going off pure emotion. Um, and, and that's kind of the way that it's always been for me. You know, when we talked after the game, you know, I was probably more upset after the game and disappointed because I really think that we, we had a team that should have won that game. You know, although we, we didn't play well enough to win, I obviously understood that. But now that we're a couple days removed, um, I think I just have this sense of just acceptance. You know, I, I think this team did a great job the whole year of just kind of putting together some quality wins and, and keeping us as a fan base engaged and they were competitive. They had some, you know, fourth quarter runs that were awesome. Um, you know, Kirk and the offense looked great at times. But let's be honest, I mean, there was deficiencies on both sides that I think just – 
I think all just came to fruition in that game on Sunday. And that's kind of where I'm at now is like, I know that we have a couple games left in the season, but the Vikings kind of are who we, I think we thought they were at the start of the season. And maybe we lied to ourselves at times about who they could be. Um, but they're in, they're in a, a, a realistic situation based on where we are talent-wise, especially in defense. Yeah, so, so they moved to 6-8 and eight on the season, and you're two games behind the Arizona Cardinals with two games to go. If we're looking at any sort of uh, lottery scenario here where we make a run at the playoffs, it would be the Cardinals losing out, the Vikings winning out, and then the Bears also have to lose a game as well. So there is a scenario where the Vikings get in. Um, do you see that? Any chance of that happening for our guys here? No, not at all. And I know this is the Vikings podcast, and I realize that you know we're in the business of selling selling hope, and that's fine. I mean, the way you laid it out there, we we have what a three four percent chance of actually making the playoffs. Um, you know, we still have to take control and, and take care of the games that are in front of us as far as the Vikings go, and you need some help from every, everybody else. But, you know, from my perspective, um, if I was a player, I would say there's no chance. I mean, I, I, would, go into the, I would go into the next two games of um, let's play competitive football on a personal level. Let's not embarrass yourself on national TV on Friday. Um, let's try to get out of the season healthy. I think you, you, you get into self perseverance mode and, and preservation, self-preservation mode of just t- trying to take care of yourself. And I think that's, you know, that's human nature. I mean, you're going to go out there and, and you're going to play high competitive football, but at the end of the day, uh, you're going to see some guys probably turning hits down. You're going to see some guys doing things that make sure that they take care of their body because they don't want to be in the, in the training room all off season. Um, that's the reality of where we're at. And if you can do all of that and still win a game, awesome. And if, if Arizona loses and Chicago loses, that's great. You still have to go about go out and beat uh, the Lions in Detroit on the following weekend, and you still have to have some other help. So um, you can say you can say all you can say all the positive, hopeful things that you want. Me personally, it's over. This twenty twenty season to me is over. Heading into this game on Christmas Day, you have a national audience, a bunch of young players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So how are these guys getting up for this game this week? Like you're a player, take us in the mindset of an NFL player going into this game on Christmas Day. Uh, well, you know, even though they're young, they're still going to go through the same roller coaster of emotions where they they thought forecasting going into the last weekend that, all right, we take care of Chicago and we have a absolutely 100 percent meaningful game on Christmas Day. And, and what a game to go out and hopefully win that game and showcase myself. And now they have to fight that emotion of, OK, the season's lost. Um, you've got to go through that emotion. And then you also have to realize, hey, as a young player on a national stage. I can uh, I can go out and you know put put myself in the Justin Jefferson world of maybe I can become a household name you know maybe Jeff Gladney can go out and show people why he's got such a high ceiling same thing with Cam Dantzler and um, and so there's there you have to look at those opportunities because those are real because on the flip side of that you go out and embarrass yourself people are going to remember that you know that's the first time that you've heard this name in a in an NFL game. Because there's going to be millions of people that have not watched the Vikings play this whole season. And, and they want to see what Dalvin Cook is about. They want to see what Kirk Cousins is about. They want to see who Justin Jefferson is. Like, is he, is he really living up to the hype? And as, as fair or, or unfair as that is to judge somebody off of one game, that's what people are going to do when they look at these young, these young rookies. And so you have to quickly put all those things that I mentioned about what happened on Sunday – 
put that to bed, refocus, recalibrate, find a new motivation to not get embarrassed and actually showcase yourself. You spoke about a lot of these young rookies, and I want to ask you, what rookie on the Vikings defense has really impressed you the most? I want you to pick one because there's a bunch of them um, who have really grown over this the course of the season, but which one has impressed you the most with his growth this year? I would say Dantzler. As much as I think Gladney has uh, a high ceiling as well, and I think is probably more athletically talented than Cam. If Cam had had been in the lineup every week of the season and he had been dependable and hadn't gotten injured, um, I, I think that you'd have you know twice as many interceptions. I think you'd have twice as many game-changing plays and difference-making plays. I just think for him, it, it comes down in in really whatever profession, like. You have to make the plays uh, that are presented in front of you, but you also have to create plays. You know, look what look what Anthony Harris did a year ago. The, he had some interceptions in his in 2019 that he created himself. You know, whether whether it was moving around pre-snap, disguising things, putting himself in a different position, and then just being a football player, playing instinctful football, jumping a route that maybe you shouldn't have any business jumping that route because that's not your responsibility but you're going to go out and make a play. Cam has that ability. He's shown that ability already that, you know what? I'm going to jump in front of this tight end and make this interception. You know, I know that my technique tells me to be in a trail position, you know, be in a position to knock this ball down. But if I see something in that instant and I can go make a play, I'm going to go make the play. And, and I don't think that we've had a rookie outside of Justin Jefferson that has done that, that has really shown that, Hey, I'm just going to go make a play. I'm going to play with football instincts. So defensively, I, I'd have to say Cam. Now, obviously, offensively, Justin Jefferson is is um is out of this world. I mean, he, he you almost forget that he is a rookie. You know, when you think about rookies on this team, you're like, my God, we've heard his name called so often, and and people talk about him so much. Uh, you forget that he's a rookie, and congratulations to him going to the Pro Bowl. So, um, you know, obviously, offensive guy is 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 Justin. Defensively, it's it's Cam. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot of positives to look forward to for the Vikings with all of these draft picks. I mean, you have Justin Jefferson. Literally, only two rookies in the NFL make the Pro Bowl, and the other one was Chase Young, who went really high in the draft. So Justin Jefferson, really impressive this year. On Dantzler, I think it's impressive the way he, he had those two interceptions in big moments the past couple weeks. The Vikings had a team that didn't have any interceptions um, from their cornerback position before Dantzler made that play a few weeks ago. So um, definitely a lot to look forward to, but now I want to take it back uh, to your experiences going to that Mercedes-Benz Superdome because I know that there's players out there that say it's like the loudest place in the NFL to play. And I know Christmas Day, it's not going to be the same with with COVID and stuff going on. But what were your experiences playing in that place? And just obviously the Viking-Saints rivalry is, is has become, I mean, we, we've had their number as of late. That's for sure. You know, I know a lot of Viking fans don't want to hear this, but it's it's the best it's the best dome experience inside stadium experience that you can, you can go through. Um, and that it, it all starts really the second that you land, you know, it's, it's just a different city. I mean, you know, they, they pride themselves on being a, on a convention events driven city and they know how to throw a party. Um, and, and especially if you look at some of the bigger games, you know, look at the NFC championship game, the, the moment that we landed in new Orleans, you can just feel the football energy, and that was all around town. And, um, 
And as, as great as the Viking fans are, um, Minneapolis is just is, is not built like that. You know, there's there's a lot of people that have interests outside of football. And and for the core passionate Viking fans that, that we have, yeah, they can be loud and boisterous. But when a whole city and really a whole state kind of gravitates and, and rallies behind one team, um, it, it definitely is something that's palpable and you can feel. And then you get to outside the stadium on game day. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, and, and by by sheer number of people, you know, our Viking fans are loud, but they can pack in what, 10 to 12,000 more people in that stadium. So you get, you get a passionate fan base that's, that's loud and crazy. And you, and you, and you multiply that by, by 10 or 15,000 more people. It's just a louder environment. I mean, there's, there's a sound and there's a, there's a buzz that, that truly pulsates through your body that is unlike anything that you'll ever feel. So it's awesome. It is an awesome experience. I just, you know, I wish that uh, in my experience that we saw more of, of shutting their fans up than, than listen to them cheer. Um, but it's unfortunate that it's going to be a Christmas day game. It would normally be rowdy and crazy. And our, our, the young, the young rookies on this team would get to feel that experience. Um, but unfortunately they can't, they can't do it this year. Yeah, that's for sure. Hopefully it's a, a positive experience for some of these young rookies going against one of the best teams in the NFL on Christmas day. But um, last question, I just want to ask you just looking forward because we were joking before the show about how every odd year the Vikings have been making the playoffs since 2015 and every even year, which obviously 2020 is a unique year in itself. We have not made the playoffs and finished around this 500 realm. So I'm thinking you get Daniil Hunter back, Michael Pierce, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks healthy again. You have all the pieces coming together with the young guys we were just talking about. And I don't know about you, but I am I have a high expectations for the year 2021. Hopefully the, the whole world is different. Um, and the Vikings are not three and five in an empty U.S. Bank Stadium for a year. So what are your expectations going forward for this Vikings team. You know, for all those things that you mentioned, getting getting those player those core players back are going to be huge, you know, because you look at I look at the totality of the year and and we didn't fail offensively. We were we we had an offense that was that is explosive, puts up a lot of points, um, can play winning football despite the fact that we can we can complain about you know, sometimes the offensive line isn't as strong as we'd like them to be. Are there going to be new pieces and there's going to be some guys mixed in and around to, to better our offensive team? Absolutely. That happens every year. So I think that the foundation that's been laid in 2020 on offense is this going to get better in 2021. Um, now, defensively, you add just those guys back that you talked about. It's a whole different defense. You know, I think that we can stop the run better. Uh, we put ourselves in better third and manageable situations as a defense. Um, I, I think our scoring defense dramatically improves. And, and thus, with the same offense, a better defense, we have more, more wins. And we're talking about playoffs now um, in, an, in an odd year in 2021. So we'll, we'll, stay, we'll stay on trend with that cyclical nature. But I do think that, we, we are going to have a much better football team. Now, I, I haven't, I mean, we don't know what the schedule is going to be. Um, obviously, we don't know what draft picks we're going to get. I, I'd like to see some free agents uh, come into play. But we, we are going to, in the short term, have, have to, as an organization, make some tough decisions. You know, as of right now, we're still up against the cap when it comes to salary cap. Uh, hopefully that number changes and, and it 
and it gets bumped up for what the projections are. So we're not staring at, uh, at a situation where we're over the cap. Either way, I think you're going to see some veteran players that that uh, we've we've liked here in the purple uh, probably have to get released and and let go. So it's it's going to be in the short term, I think, a tough offseason because I don't see how you can keep some of the, the veteran guys on the team that are making a lot of money. Um, you know, one, one of the guys that you mentioned already may or may not be a team because of salary cap purposes. Um, so I, I'm really excited and looking forward to um, from a business standpoint, where we, where we go in the next two or three months. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fun off season to track. Can't wait to ask you about all the draft uh, draftees coming up after college uh, covering college football all year. So uh, we appreciate it, Ben. Thanks again for joining us. And thanks to our friends at Microsoft surface, uh, for bringing you to us visually and me making you blush on this show. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a way of doing that, Chris. All right. Well, thanks as always to Ben Lieber. I mean, um, he just gives me input that, that I learn something new every day um, when I talk to Ben. So that, that was a really good conversation. But um, looking forward, we have a couple of notes here as we kind of wrap the bow on the Vikings season. Um, the Pro Bowl was announced this week. Dalvin Cook makes his second straight Pro Bowl, um, leading the fan voting for running backs with almost almost 300,000 votes, the second highest vote total in the NFC, trailing only Russell Wilson. Uh, clearly, he's a huge part of everything the Vikings do um, with that, those 15 rushing touchdowns and over 1,400 yards this season. It's pretty amazing the things that he was able to do. Yeah, Gary Kubiak was was very public and just saying that Delvin's a huge part of the team. It's just been fun for me to be around him, and I'm very fortunate to be around some really good ones along the way. It's fun to watch this guy work and get ready to play, and he's special. And I think anybody who's watched any of his games this year knows how much he means to this offense. It's been great to see Delvin have a great season, get rewarded with a good contract, and to see him actually pay it off here during this 2020 season. So it's been it's been fun, and, and I'm just happy and proud of him that, that he's had this success and the recognition for the 2020 season. Same goes for Justin Jefferson, who just had an outstanding season. We've we've went through all the numbers earlier in the show. 73 receptions and seven touchdowns, over 1,000 uh, receiving yards as a rookie. It's, it's just amazing. Um, each week we just talk about the next milestone that he's passed, and, and he's at the point where he's passing Randy Moss records from that magical 1998 season so um, it's it's just amazing what Justin has been able to do and the fact that he is the only rookie pro bowler on the offensive side of the ball uh, joined by Chase Young as the second rookie pro bowler it's it's definitely an amazing thing so looking forward we have this game on Christmas Day against the New Orleans Saints and, and Jay I just want to ask if you have any last thoughts heading into this game. No, I think uh, we all know what's at stake here. We all know that the uh, the, the playoff chances right now are pretty thin, uh, but it is the Saints. It doesn't matter anytime we've played the Saints, especially in recent history. It's just been a barn burner. I'm looking forward to it. The national spotlight uh, will be on these guys. If uh, if they can't come out and, and, and put a good one on this week, you know, at, at minimum for pride, it's going to be something that's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. So I'm hoping that defensively we can get some pressure on Breeze, like we said, and, and this Vikings team can have a good showing and, and help everybody enjoy their holiday. We will certainly try to enjoy a Christmas Day meal, hopefully alongside a Vikings win 
over the New Orleans Saints as an underdog. Um, they will move to 7-8 and eight on the season and hopefully head into the last week of the season with a sliver of a chance to make the NFC playoff push. Um, a couple of laundry list notes here to end off the show. Check out this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins, where Kirk talks to the special People Serving People holiday event. Um, he, it was a really cool event where Kirk was able to talk to two families and help them unwrap some gifts. Um, that will be a really fun interview to listen to if you get the time. And then also tune into the Vikings postgame live. Um, this week it will be a little different than it is from weeks past. Vikings postgame live will stream on all Vikings platforms on Monday afternoon um, rather than Christmas Day Friday. So look for that on Monday afternoon. Uh, You'll get inside analysis of the game against the Saints, a breakdown with Mark Rosen, Pete Bursich, and Ben Lieber um, on all the Vikings social media platforms. And then finally, check out a special Christmas Eve edition of Skull Stories with one of the fan favorites. I know he's my favorite, Jared Allen. Uh, the former Vikings defensive end joined Mark Rosen and Pete Bursich to talk just about everything from his college choice in Idaho State. And then obviously he's a pro football Hall of Fame semifinalist, uh, which is awesome to have a guy like that uh, be recognized for his his career in purple and, and his career in the NFL. So check that out at 6.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve on KFAN, a really special show. Um, And with that, we are down to our final two games of the 2020 uh, NFL season. There's a razor-thin chance to make the NFC playoffs. And um, for what this year was, we've been through a lot. Injuries, we've been through COVID, we've been through no fans at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, Let's wrap it up with a few wins here and get to that 500 at 8-8 and and let the chips fall where they may, Jay. Um, that'll do it for this edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode 73. Stay safe. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And as Jay says to all of you, have a good night.